Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello, welcome, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and back with me at the table today is Tim Cockrell. Tim and I will be discussing his recent sermon from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And Tim, we, we had a great time around the Word of God as we considered God's call for His people to submit uh, to our government authorities. And as I was preparing for our discussion today, I couldn't help but wonder how many from our gathering on, on Sunday were saved after the sermon, or maybe even before, you might have seen some whispering in ears. <laughs> well, yeah, but what about duh, duh, duh? So maybe I was the only one. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I think that's our natural tendency is to quickly jump to the exceptions. And, and I think that's one of the challenges of addressing not only this topic, but we'll see it as we talk about slaves' relationship to their master, wives' relationship to their husbands, even churches' relationship to their elders. We've all had certain experiences that lead us to say, well, don't you think this is the exception to that rule? And I think that's the the challenge here is that the principles are fairly straightforward. The practice is often much more complex. And so if we start off by just laying the foundation of the principle, understanding what God is teaching us, then that tethers us to truth as we begin to try to explore how we live this out. We were talking a little bit before we uh, went on the microphones today, and uh, we were talking about the difficulties or the dangers of developing a policy mm-hmm. or doctrine from the margins. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that. Those The margins are there for a reason. They're, they're kind of on the outer edge. Yep. Well, Tim, we have a number of good role models of submission to governmental authority in the Bible. And I think of Daniel... I think of Peter, Paul, Joseph is another one, and then Genesis that comes up. But none of them compares with Jesus, Hmm. let's face it. Let's talk a little bit about the model of submission. You referenced it. You you talked about it a little bit. I'd like to dig in a little deeper here. Uh, That's a model of submission that Jesus gives us throughout scriptures and how that should be a guide to us. Let's talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's exactly where Peter's going to go in our passage this next week. As he talks about, as you submit, you're going to endure unjust suffering. And so what he's going to do is he's going to remind us that Christ has provided us an example so that we can follow in his steps. I think about Philippians chapter 2, as Paul's speaking to the church, talking about considering other people's needs ahead of our own, kind of yielding to them, to use the language we used on Sunday. He said, so your attitude ought to be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in equality with God, did not consider that as something to be grasped, but that he made himself nothing. And took on the posture of a servant, even a slave, to die a slave's death on the cross. And I think there's just a number of things there. That it's not about asserting rights, but voluntarily surrendering them. It's about taking a posture of one who puts the needs of others ahead of their own. And ultimately, it's about trusting God's plan. I mean, that's what Jesus' posture was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. So it's not wrong to desire a different outcome but that there is a yieldedness to say, God, I trust you, and therefore I will live in submission to the authorities that you have established. And so I think Jesus is going to continue to be our example in the attitude he maintained and in the actions he displayed. 
And it's helpful to me to point out that this is not something we only see in Philippians 2. It's not something we only see in the latter half of each of the Gospels. But this is something we see as early as Genesis chapter 2, 15. Mm. Jesus, the, the, the seed of the woman, was not going to be without some level of pain, some level of discomfort, some level of something that he probably didn't deserve. Exactly. I mean, Isaiah 53, you know, Absolutely. we can go to any number of different places. And I think that's one of the things that, that many people struggled with as they looked at the prophets. First Peter 1, 10 through 12, you know, talks about how the prophets were, were longing to understand even what God was revealing to them. And that's where we have now the privilege of looking back and seeing God's good design, his redemptive purposes, even in those sufferings. And that's what makes it hard when we are suffering is that we don't necessarily get to see that whole picture, but that as we look at the way God could take what seemed like senseless suffering and make something so beautiful out out of it in Christ's death and resurrection, that we can rest, if he could do that on the cosmic scale there, he can do that in the personal situations of our lives as well. And scars are sometimes useful. Mm -hmm. Scars and how we develop them and how we uh, how we respond to them can really bring God glory is really what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Right? Tim, you made the comment that, and I'm quoting here, I went back to get the quote exactly yep. right. So often we equate submission with subjection. But you and I have a problem here. The English Standard Version that you preach from, that I read and study mm-hmm. from, and, and many others here in the church as well, it uses the words, be subject Instead of what most of the other more popular translations, I'm talking about the King James and the Mm -hmm. American Standard, NIV, and others, they use the word submit. So which is it, submit or be subject to? Yes. Uh, Okay, (laughs) you're going to cop out, aren't you? (laughs) Well, so so what I would say is that the Greek word here, hupotasso, is is typically translated submit. And and the, the distinction that I was trying to draw here is that subjection, okay, so I would differentiate between be subject and subjection. So subjection is something done by an authority to those under authority. So subjugation might be another way that we frame that to where they are are dominating, where they are are tyrannical in the way that they are are putting someone under. But submission is I am putting myself under. You're subjecting yourself. Exactly. It is a a voluntary arranging myself because submission is a military word. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a chain of command. And so I am voluntarily arranging myself under the authority that I've been placed under. And, and, And so that's where I'm trying to draw the distinction is not that subject is one thing and submit is a different, but that it's a posture of our heart, not an action done to us by an authority. And this gets to a point, I think it's very appropriate to point out, whether you're a 10-year-old youth child uh, reading the Bible or a 40-something or 50-something or Mm 90-something in our church, it's wise to have several different translations available to you, Uh, whether you can go online and find just about anything you need. Uh, You can go online and find a lot you don't need as well, (laughs) let's face it, but to have those translations available to kind of read it in different uh, forms and different translation, different editors that have uh, put it together, I think it's healthy to do that. Absolutely. Very good. Okay. Okay. 
this prepositional phrase, Peter, following Peter's call to submit is interesting to me. He says, do it, submit, or subject yourself to uh, God for the, to the authorities for the Lord's sake. Let's talk a little bit more about what Peter's getting at here. For the Lord's sake, why does God need this? Well, I think what he's pointing out is that we're not doing it because the leader themselves are so entirely worthy of our respect. You know, one of the things that I, I see regularly in our culture is that people will say, respect is not given, it's earned. And what's behind that is saying, I am autonomous. I am the authority. And therefore, I will only give my submission or my obedience to those I deem worthy. And what Peter is saying is, you are submitting not because the leader is so good, but because God is so wise and because he is the ultimate authority. And because as Romans 13 teaches us, every authority that is over us has been instituted by God, that we can submit to them as an expression of our obedience to God. And so in many ways, what he's doing is, is somewhat countercultural or even revolutionary, that that we're not submitting to government as a, a expression of our fear of them, or even as if they were the ultimate authority, but that we are submitting to them because we recognize that they are under authority as much as they are in authority. And you pointed out Jesus when he was being beaten, when he was being flogged before, uh, as he was uh, appearing before the Sanhedrin, he was not asking, hey, hit me again, hit me mm -hmm. again, I'm, I'm ready for you. That was not his disposition, his disposition. Why are you doing this? Right. And I think that's going to be a tension as we talk about submission over these next number of weeks is submission doesn't mean it's never appropriate to, to invoke our rights. For instance, you know, when Paul was wrongfully imprisoned, he was a Roman citizen, wrongfully imprisoned without a trial. And they kind of wanted to kind of sneak him out the back door and say, oh, sorry, you know. And he says, no, no, you can publicly vindicate me because you wrongfully imprisoned me. But he wasn't doing that in a vindictive way, but that rather he was doing it not for his own sake, but for the sake of the gospel. Right. Because he was in prison for proclaiming the gospel, he wanted the gospel to be unfettered in the way that it was then proclaimed in the culture. And so I think that's just going to constantly be a tension of it doesn't mean that it's never appropriate to take a, you know, the channels that God's given us to stand up for truth, to, to raise concerns or objections, but that always our heart posture ought to be one where we are desiring to comply with those that God's put over us. And to that point, Paul, like Daniel was not afraid, or maybe he was afraid, but he was not uh, uh, fighting against going into the den of the lions. Mm -hmm. He actually, he went there, all indications are, because he felt that was God's will for him. Absolutely. I mean, you think about the Ephesian elders when he speaks to them in Acts chapter 20, he says, you're not going to see my face again. Mm -hmm. I know that, that I'm going to be arrested, but I'm going to go anyway because I trust God's plan. Okay, rubber meets the road. This is hard mm -hmm. as a parent. Now, I've got, to, I've got to tell you a story. There were at least twice uh, as a child, and I've got to give a big shout out to Keith and June Sheridan. <laughs> they modeled this for me. There were, it was at least two, were at least two times when I was in school from K to 12 here in Cedarville where I was unjustly treated wrongly. I was mm -hmm. a good kid. I don't know why these things happen, <laughs> but my parents never once 
I know this because I've asked them. <laughs> I almost wanted to ask them, why not? But they never once went to the school and said and asserted their rights or my rights. They said, you know what? This is a training ground for you. Mm. How are you going to respond? And I really appreciated that. Now, I'm not saying that one's wrong to go to the mm -hmm. school or, or uh, uh, go to, you know, uh, confront something. That's not wrong either. But I appreciated the modeling. These are your authorities in your life. And you're going to have to deal with this yourself. Yes. And, and I think what that really gets to is what is our ultimate good? What is our ultimate goal? Because in those situations, a parent might be tempted to think my child's ultimate good is that they get the grade they deserved or that they get the position on the sports team that I think that they, they earned. But really, their character and their posture uh, in submission to authority is going to have far more lasting benefits than, than those kind of more temporal goals. So modeling is a, is a good way to do that, modeling for our children, for example. So, But you did state, and here's another quote, submission is a disposition to honor and obey the authorities God has placed over me and a humble inclination to yield my will to theirs. So let's talk a little bit more. How do we develop that disposition? Yeah, and I think that it begins with just trusting God. And we're going to see this in Jesus's example where he continued entrusting himself to the Father. That there are going to be many times where we don't understand, where we don't agree, where we can't see the big picture, but that we have to just trust that God is in control. And so that we need to do that in big ways, but we need to do that in small ways too. That when we face those frustrations or, or the irritations that we inevitably deal with in life, that we cultivate a, a posture that says, God, it's okay for me not to know. It's okay for me not to understand everything. And that, that can be hard, especially depending on how we're wired. I think another piece is to make sure we really understand the biblical pattern of authority. Hmm. And I, I would want to just speak to parents here for a moment. You know, the fifth commandment is to honor your father and mother. And that comes, you know, so he's just given four commandments related to our relationship with God. And the very first commandment related to our relationship with others is teach parents to honor their, teach children to honor their parents. And I think when we were talking about this in preaching team yesterday, I think that's so foundational because if children don't learn to respect the authority of their parents, they're not going to respect the authority of their teachers or of their coaches or of their boss or of their government. And so I think we need to cultivate that in ourselves and impart that onto our children by modeling what it is to look, what it looks like to submit to authority, even when we disagree with them. Perhaps when the grade card comes home, it's, and it's not what you hoped. It's not necessarily the teacher's fault when he doesn't score 20 points in a ball game. Uh, it's not the coach's fault or when he doesn't get to play in the ball game. It's not the coach's fault. Been there. Yes. And uh, I, I tell the story about the time I was on a uh, ball team and the coach told me at the beginning of the year, you're going to play some and you'll spot in. And, and I wasn't the greatest player, but uh, enjoyed playing and was looking forward to spotting in and mm -hmm. helping my better qualified teammates. I didn't see the court much that year. <clears throat> the problem was it was hard to complain when we went 20 and 0. <laughs> they maybe, maybe didn't need my, need my talents. Let's talk about <laughs> as far as developing this disposition, mm -hmm. what's the role of the church in that? Well, I think first of all, it's modeling godly leadership. It becomes infinitely easier to submit 
when the leaders are leading in the ways that God has called them to. And so I would say that starts with elders, modeling a proper posture, keeping right priorities, uh, loving people and leading them well. I, I think that means helping one another when we see each other start to kind of grumble and complain, starting to have a, a posture of of uh, hatred or hostility, whether toward our government or toward our boss or, or whoever it might be, to where we kind of help remind each other of these truths so that we don't go too far astray. Because I think that's one of the reasons we live in community. We all have certain blind spots. And for one person, they're like, yeah, submission to the government isn't that big of a deal for me, but man, submission to my boss, like that's really where it becomes difficult. Well, and, and speak to the person, I think, or I think we can speak to the person who, and you know them, uh, I've been there uh, when I was younger. I, you know, why, God doesn't require me to be part of a church, or does he? And this gets back to something you said the other day, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, and that was the uh, the importance of membership in a local church. We hold that important, even though you, you can't go to a scripture and say definitively there's a explicit you must belong to a church but the the fingerprints of a church are all over the new testament right well and i think that becomes especially important when it talks about submission to authority the reality is we live in a culture in which you're encouraged to go to a church but then if you find something better or if you disagree with the leaders you can just bail like you can just walk away without really any consequence or accountability and I think the idea of committing in church membership means I say, I'm putting myself under this leadership. I'm identifying with this local body so that I'm not going to just quickly give up. I'm not just dating the church. I'm, I'm marrying the church, if you will. And I'm committed to living it out here. And when you say that tethering, yourself, tethering oneself to a local church um, helps to take out some of those spikes whether emotional responses to something or whatever. As a church, we can guide each other. We can help each other to understand context mm -hmm. for whatever political issue is happening, uh, whether whatever election is happening, whatever thing in culture is happening at the local school system or in the local village council or whatever it might be. Absolutely. Okay, we've stayed away. We, we've talked about it, but we've stayed away largely from those 5% matters, uh, those circumstances that people often want to talk about when we get to the subject of submission to God's appointed civil leaders. But over the past 40, we'll call it 40 plus years, mm -hmm. and it's before that as well, but uh, my mind goes to 40, 45 years, churches who would, who would generally stand on the same scriptural ground that we affirm have become very engaged in political processes, political uh, developing political policy, protesting laws of the government, uh, frankly, many of these laws and policies are, are ones that you and I, I believe, would agree with, mm -hmm. and, and our church generally would agree with. So should God's people join these causes, or is Peter calling us to stand down and just comply? Yeah, the, that's the tension that we all feel. And, and I would say that those two things are not contradictory, but complementary. I think that we can work for change and still comply with laws. So God isn't telling us, don't seek to, to change your society. In fact, I think when he talks about doing good, I think he talks about kind of a, a gospel witness that we are radiating the light, that we are looking out for the overlooked and the marginalized, that we are, are seeking to influence policy in ways that reflect God's word and God's law. But where we have to be so careful is that there is going to be a gravitational pull 
that gives us the danger of mission drift to where we begin to think that our primary responsibility as Christians is to make America a Christian nation. When in reality, our primary responsibility as Christians is to make disciples of all nations. And I would question if the, I think you've said this before, I agree with you, has America ever been a Christian nation truly? We could talk about that later. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think what we reach for yeah. as the tools of change demonstrate what we're really trusting. And so that doesn't mean that we can't elect good leaders. It doesn't mean that we can't work to, to implement good laws. But that the hope for our nation is not better leaders or better laws. The hope for our nation is the transformation that happens through Jesus Christ. And that starts with us. And that is, that is demonstrated especially when our preferred candidate is not elected. Especially when our preferred political party is not the one in leadership. That as we continue to faithfully, sacrificially, and humbly love and serve those that we strongly disagree with, that's when the gospel shines brightest. You pointed this out, but I think it's a, a really great place to end our discussion. In the end, our submission to God is, is simply a matter of our trust and our confidence in his sovereignty and his plan for our lives. Whatever we're doing, we need to keep that in mind forefront. Absolutely. And I think where we struggle with that is embedded in each of our hearts is this voice that tells me, I know what's best. My plan is better. I think I'm the exception. And so we have to discipline our hearts and our minds mm -hmm. to say, I recognize that no authority is going to be perfect. I recognize that in this broken world that these human leaders are going to be flawed. They're going to fail. There are times they're going to be entirely even corrupt. But my hope isn't in them. My hope is in the fact that God can use Egypt and Assyria. He can use Babylon and Rome. That he can even use my own brokenness and sin. And that he is working his redemptive plan. And that's where my confidence lies. Let's end there. I don't think we can say it any better. Tim, thanks so much for coming on and appreciate your good work in this, uh, in this series. It's been a real blessing. Thanks so much. We've been digging deeper today with Tim Cockrell, and we invite you to share your questions and comments with us each week. You can email those to contact at gracecedarville.org. And join us next time. We'll be continuing our study of God's Word in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.